then getting to our edge is being like, hmm, is this something I want to continue? I feel the fullness of this experience. I feel the fullness of this generational pattern. I feel the fullness of this inner child trauma that keeps continuing in my relationships. Now that I'm fully awake to it and I'm feeling it, I'm looking at it, could I give myself the permission to say, I choose differently. And it's that part, it's that part of being the hero in your own story that is what makes all of this worth it. Welcome to My Spiritual Friends from Worthy Well, the podcast that's here to affirm and inspire you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Shelby Renee Giles. Grab some tea and settle in as I dive deep into the stories behind the spiritual awakenings and numinous experiences of people from all walks of life and how those experiences changed how they see and care for themselves and the world around them. We're here to normalize your spiritual experiences in the physical realm, one story at a time. Come out of your spiritual closet with us. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome to the final episode of season one. I am so, so grateful to have reached this milestone together and it feels good. It feels good to reach this state of completion for something that has truly been such an honor to facilitate these conversations, to serve in this way. And so I just want to thank you for listening. I want to thank everyone who hit play on this podcast at any point in the season. I appreciate you. And I'm so excited to continue this journey together. Now, Just because this is the end of season one does not mean that we will not continue this journey together. And you've heard me talk about this if you've listened previously, but I recently launched a new newsletter called The Self-Devotional with the intention of helping us all really lean into what it means to care for ourselves with reverence and to move beyond self-care. So If you haven't signed up, join the list, please do, because as I'm recording this, um, it's actually the 11th of November, 11-11, and I just sent out the first installment, and I have been so incredibly moved by the response from you all. It's truly affirming to get to hear when what's coming through for you meets others exactly when they need it. And so if you haven't signed up, like I said, please do. The link will be in show notes. You can go to worthywell.co. You can find the link in my link in bio on Instagram. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really nourishing space for us to continue to cultivate this intentionality around our journeys. And we will be sharing some really beautiful new things with you in the new year, including season two of the podcast. 
Now, when I thought about how to really close out this season, as often happens, things just kind of came together, you know? And one thing that truly just came together in such a beautiful way is getting the opportunity to spend this final episode of season one talking with one of my spiritual mentors, Milana Snow. Now, if you've ever experienced Milana's energy, you know that she is a powerful woman, an incredibly powerful woman. And I'm so grateful that she just over and over and over again in her life has just answered this call to serve in such potent ways. And we'll talk more about this, of course, in the episode, but I'm just so grateful for Milana and I know so many others are. So let me get into telling you a little bit about Milana if you don't already know about her. So practicing meditation since the age of four, Milana Snow has become one of the leading voices in global wellness. As a woman of color, with Afro-Latina, Panamanian, American, and British roots, she speaks to audiences as diverse as her background. She is an energy healer, teacher, and wellness entrepreneur with a passion for bringing healing to a global community of clients, followers, brands, celebrities, and even members of the royal family. Based in Los Angeles, Milana is a former model and presenter, Think YSL, Cover Girl. Her work has appeared in outlets such as Harper's Bazaar, Pop Sugar, Vogue, and more. Milana is also the winner of Project Runway and has also won a Best Travel and Adventure Show Webby Award. So I could not have asked for a better way to put a bow on season one than to talk with someone who you all have heard lots about, you know, throughout the season because her work has been such a huge part of my own journey. So I am so thrilled to share this conversation with you and thank you again for being on this journey together. Let's dive in. Hey, Milana. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So good to see you again. We've seen each other, fortunately, um, a couple of times this month, which is a gift over the past, I guess, 30 days, I should say, because we're just entering November. Yeah. But thank you for for being here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really poetic that this is the season one finale of the My Spiritual Friends podcast. And so much of this journey was kicked off or sparked, I guess, by my attending your integrative energy healing and breathwork training back in June of last year. And throughout the season, of course, this has come up multiple times. So listeners have heard this. 
And some of my guests I've met at that training or through the, you know, TMI, you know, the monthly integration community, which I'm still a part of. And yeah, yeah, I'm just so grateful for you, um, as I know so many people are. And, you know, I always start the podcast conversations off with how I meet my guests. So no surprise. (laughs) That you and I met in June of last year in LA at the training and my life has been forever changed since. So yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Oh, thank you. That's what a testimony to the the work that we do. I really appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And I'm so grateful that you would invite me to be here. And it makes me so happy that other community members have been guests I've been watching them and cheering you guys on and it's uh to me I think the ultimate compliment of the work that we do is when people are able to reflect back and say that was a life-changing turning point um sometimes Mm -hmm. I think people think I'm not serious when I say that that is (laughs) what's happening when we do these uh these this deeper work so it's great to to hear that from you. Yeah, it's real, y'all. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here. Yes, (laughs) yes. And so many people already know this. And so I'm, you know, I always get excited when people are entering into your space and this work for the first time. You know, I always get excited because I know the transformation that I've had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... Mm -hmm. You know, I I like to think of this podcast as a product of a lot of that work. It was something that came through as a very clear download while I was meditating. And it was so specific and um, just clear from the name to the concept to who I should talk with. and, And I just ran with it previously having no plans to ever start a podcast <laughs> until that yes. day. Yes. And so I think it was like mid January. And then three months later, I'm literally like hosting a live taping of the launch of this podcast with a brand yes. that I love in DC. And yeah, it's just the way life can just shift so quickly is just yes. incredible, you know? So yes, that part, that part, that's something I feel like that theme of how things can change so quickly is one that a lot of people don't believe is for them. They don't Mm. know that that's possible for them, that everything can change in a moment. I feel like that usually when someone thinks of that idea, it's usually they think of tragedy like, oh yeah, Mm. like anything could happen in a moment. I could lose my loved one and then it all changes. It doesn't have to life changing you know, world changing, reality shifting moments don't have to be tragic. They can be really beautiful healing experiences that then literally everything is different. And that's actually kind of one of my favorite things to help facilitate, help people birth. Mm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. And, you know, I'm really excited to get into your journey and, We were just saying right before we hit record that, you know, I've heard a lot of your journey already, and I know that there's so much more to it as well, you know, things that I don't know. Um, And so I'm really excited to talk more about just 
what brought you to the work that you do and also your trajectory, because I think, you know, as I've seen myself evolve, I've also seen you evolve, you know, as well. So that's, I love that. I'd love to see what you see. I'd love to know. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen you. Well, you know, you, you've been so great about helping others expand alongside you and sharing your journey along the way, you know, and that's been really inspiring for me during, you know, so much transition over the past almost year now. So, so yeah, let's get into it. And um, also just to set the stage, I do want to acknowledge the potent energy that we're in right now. Um, Yes. Yeah. You know, even though I believe this will, yeah, this will come out on the 16th, but Um, As we're recording this, we are in the energy of the full moon, lunar eclipse and Taurus. And so it's a really, it's a really potent time. It's a really potent time. Yes. Yeah. So how are you feeling in this energy right now? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a Taurus moon. Oh, I didn't know that. I love Taurus, Turanian. Is it (laughs) Taurus? I love Taurus energy. Um, Yes, I I really, uh, I love being at home. It's actually, it's the idea of home has long been a a challenging subject and theme for me and has Mm -hmm. long been a, a, a feeling that I haven't known until very recently. And so I love that, that, that the Taurus energy is like really, uh, finally arriving at this stage in my life. And I feel, you know, I was, I was talking to someone just earlier today, I had a shoot and he was telling me he's a Taurus son and he's like, Oh, so you're a Taurus moon. So you like quality things. And I said, yes, quality over quantity, (laughs) baby. So, you know, that goes, that pairs well with my Virgo son, um, Mm -hmm. quality, um, authenticity, meaning, um, loyalty, truth. These are things that I find Virgo and Taurus really love. And then this, this eclipse for me is kind of around those things, like living in my authenticity with the, the nuance and gradients. And sometimes what might look like they don't all go together. They do go together within me and letting myself really own that has been a big theme, even today, the shoot that I had. So that's, that's kind of the energy that I'm in right now. And um, really feeling into the fall season here in the Northern Hemisphere, feeling very grateful that things are slowing down in some ways, but in other ways they feel like a lot of what has been long ago planted is starting to be seen and yeah. and realized and experienced. So it's, yeah, I'm excited about, about this week and it's this time. Mm. Yes. Yes. I can very much relate to what you said about letting all of your parts express. <laughs> That's been a big theme lately for me as well. So it's beautiful to see that coming through. Yeah, I, I definitely see you doing that. And it's it's inspiring when we allow ourselves to do that, but then to see our community do that as well, it kind of gives us even more permission. Yeah. I've always said, you know, since I started the trainings, like I dress all these different kinds of ways. Sometimes I'll dress athletic. Sometimes I'll dress super fashionable or really pared down. But the statement is like healers and healing can look any way you decide. And, um, the, the idea of being a healer or to be healing 
to me, I think for a long time in the wellness industry, and I say that with air quotes because it's only recently become an industry to the degree that it has been now, I feel like there's been a very particular Instagram brand of what wellness and spirituality and healing looks like. And I just don't have any interest in that. It gets to look like you and all your complexity, nuance, beauty, all of your quote unquote flaws. So that, that feels like, that feels like what's going on right now for me. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a word, such a word. Well, let's get into our conversation about your journey. Yes. What do you want to know? Yeah. So I love just hearing about how your concept or consciousness around spirituality evolved over time. And so starting from your earliest memories of spirituality expressing or showing up in your life, you know, in this lifetime, how did it show up for you? What are, what are those early memories around how spirituality expressed in your life? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I think I've shared many times that, you know, the first, the first time I meditated was when I was four years old with my grandmother at nap time. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a different kind of meditation because it was astral projection. (laughs) Um, and it's funny because I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I've said many times, I didn't realize that it wasn't normal at the time, but I also didn't really know that that was meditation at the time. My grandmother just had me lay down for nap. She was laying next to me and said, okay, now you're going to close your eyes and walk out of your body. And so that was my first, you know, as a four-year-old, you just do that. But it's really interesting Mm -hmm. because, um, really thinking about those moments, those first few moments of experiencing that consciously, because I think we come in knowing that part of ourselves and then we slowly forget. Mm -hmm. I think about my later years, not just the meditation that, or the meditations and the chanting and energy work that my grandmother showed me at a very young age, but then also just having these really interesting experiences of thinking that I could talk to other people in other parts of the world through my mind telepathically. Mm. I remember being in elementary school and telling one of my friends, I had a friend in China and that we would talk during recess. And my friend would say, well, how do you talk to him? And I would say, oh, in my mind, he, t- he tells me what he's doing at school. And I tell him what I'm doing at school. And, you know, mm-hmm. some parents could say, wow, my child has mental illness, <laughs> you know, what's going on. But looking back, I realized that I, it's very possible that I was actually telepathically connecting with it, another child, in another part of the world. Mm-hmm. And it was also possible that that was just an aspect of a, um, an inner persona, an identity within my consciousness that split off and made itself its own individual personality. And so mm-hmm. I still like to say that I have a lot of memories of spending a lot of time in different realms and, in, in kind of altered states. Um, one thing I haven't really shared in, in great detail is for some reason at about the age of, I would say seven or eight, I started, uh, hypnotizing my friends. Wow. And <laughs> I would literally take, a, a necklace and I would just do this just like you would see on TV. I think I learned it on television. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just thought, oh, I'm going to just do it on TV. But what really started to get weird was this was second grade, third grade, somewhere in there, is that it started to work. But I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. So I had a friend. Her name was Brittany. I will never forget it. The very first time it worked, 
we were at recess. I hypnotized her just like this. I told her she's getting very, very sleepy. I told her that she would snap out of it once I gave her a certain word. Um, it was like cupcake or something like that. And we were at recess and I didn't, I didn't snap her out of it. I just like, okay, now you're going to do what I say until, until I say the word. And she goes back inside and we had to take a spelling test. And I remember (laughs) that she could not stay awake, that she kept falling back asleep. And I think it was because I had said you were getting very, very (laughs) sleepy. But you would think that that would be just a funny thing. You would think that we were playing with each other, that she was playing with me. But I remember throwing erasers at her. This is when we had pencils Mm -hmm. and pencil Mm -hmm. sharpeners, throwing erasers at her to try to get her to wake up because we were taking a test. Mm -hmm. And that was the first moment where I started to notice that I had the ability to not just do altered states for myself, but that I could do, I could influence the, the altered states of someone else. And it was very scary. Um, and I remember mm-hmm. she kept falling asleep during that test. Eventually I went over there and I said the, the, the word and she woke up and then she was back to normal. And mm-hmm. I had many experiences for about 40 years with hypnotizing my friends. And let's just say it got even more weird than that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can totally imagine. And just thinking about from such a young age, that being such a natural thing for you to come up and, you know, even just experiment, which I know that that has been a huge part of how you really honed so much of, you know, these really potent experiences that, you know, we all have been blessed to, to experience ourselves. So what was it like being this little girl with these gifts, although I don't know if you considered them gifts, you know, back then, but being this little girl with these gifts and existing in a world that didn't, you know, necessarily normalize those Mm -hmm. gifts, you know? Um, Yeah. What was that like? Well, something I, I like to mention for context with these stories is that I moved at least once a year, every year from the age of four until I was 14, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I went to high school, I had been to seven schools and lived in three different States Wow! and multiple cities within those States. Um, so this was before Instagram, this was practically before email. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't really, Mm -hmm. at least I didn't really have email like we do now. Um, especially at that age. And so for me, I would say my childhood was very unique because a lot of people have the the luxury, whether they realize it or not, to live in the same town, the same city, the same area for most of their childhood. And so one of the, the benefits, and there were some, to moving so much and being uprooted in that way constantly, was that I was not constrained to a certain belief system of my community. So some people grow up in Catholic communities or Catholic states or Southern Baptist communities or mm-hmm. atheist communities. And so they're usually more predisposed to those beliefs, but also those beliefs are usually hardened and um, validated by your community because you go to those schools, you're surrounded by people who read the same mm-hmm. books and talk about yes. the same things. I didn't have that. And I also didn't have parents who were available. So a lot of what I learned was by reading and by kind of 
making things up and experimenting as I went along because I was constantly moving from one school to another a couple times in a year in some Mm -hmm. cases. So the great thing about that looking back is that I was not able to have a concrete identity about my belief system. I was able to change them when I felt like it. Now, as you can imagine, there was some downside to that because that could also make a young person very insecure or confused or unsure of their, you know, place in the world. But the Mm -hmm. upside is, is that you also get to choose what you decide where a lot of us are, we don't get to choose that. We're told what we believe and then you get older and then you get to Mm -hmm. make that choice. If you're even aware that that is a choice that you can make. Yeah. So spirituality for me was in many ways a saving grace because if I didn't have spirituality, I don't think that I would have been able to survive my childhood because on top of moving around, I had a very traumatic home life. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably in many ways a coping mechanism, one that allowed me to cope with more healthy responses like meditation, like astral projection, but did not support me in being able to deeply root in community, deeply root in communal values and belief systems, or even in my own physical experience. Um, So it was a really interesting balance of all of those influences. And I'm super grateful for all of that because I see now, especially being a mixed person, identifying as a black woman, but also identifying as a Latina, also identifying as a mixed person, having uh, been first generation American on my dad's side. There's so many influences that are like, Yo, I really understand what it's like to come from many different angles, many different Mm -hmm. spiritual belief systems. So I really feel, especially to kind of cap this all off, especially not having community for so long and not having Mm -hmm. safe family for so long, that combination of all those things really made me want community that was safe, want family that was loving and and healthy, and Mm -hmm. then start to create all of that within the imagination of my own Mm. Um, heart yeah yeah that's so beautiful to have had that experience because so many people including myself really had the opposite like I I definitely you know grew up in the same area and I think I've lived in every part of Virginia you can think of before you know (laughs) coming here to LA and so 39 years in Virginia you know from college to growing up to, you know, living outside of DC, but yeah, 39 years in Virginia, you know? And yeah. So, you know, my best friend is, um, someone who's been my best friend for decades. Like, wow. (laughs) Wow. It's amazing. And what a blessing, honestly, like I don't let me poo poo on any of that. I think it is Awesome. You can tell that I did the best of what I could with what I had. And I think the ideal scenario is, is being able to grow up in the same city. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, it's also just, you know, honoring the fact that we all like, you know, get these unique paths for, for specific reasons and seeing how yours has expressed, you know, in such a powerful way, you know, it's just really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really beautiful to watch. And so feeling into the period of time where you began to create this feeling of home, 
and just how it began to slowly take shape over the course of your life. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like? And was there a defining moment where you were like, okay, it's time for me to really be intentional about what I want this to look like in the physical form? Yeah, definitely. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is just like anyone who feels like the experience of feeling at home somewhere, if you have that, please don't take that for granted. I think, again, most people know what that's like to the degree that they don't even realize that that is such a blessing and a gift. I know that our homes have our families, no matter how good your family was to you or is, there's always going to be something, right? But if you can Mm -hmm. say, like, I have a place that I call home ever, please really, really let that sit and be grateful for that. Because so, so many people on the planet don't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. And for me, the the actual experience of home happened the very first time um, when I was uh, 19 years old, I think, 19 years old when I visited New York for the very first time. And it was this feeling of belonging. And Mm -hmm. I think home for me, the, the experience of that is I belong here and belonging is inclusive of I'm safe. I'm seen. I can be who I am. They get me, I get them right. That, that experience of belonging, it's like so beyond Mm -hmm. words. And I will never forget. I had only been there for two days. I came there for spring break just to explore the city and try some modeling stuff. And I was sitting on the floor listening to hot 97 and they were you know talking on the radio and it just in this moment I just started bawling on the floor mm. and it was because I felt for the first time in my life oh my god I freaking belong here I'm wow. supposed to be in New York oh my god like it was just the most beautiful experience mm. and to have to wait until 19 is really a tragedy But in some ways, it really invigorated my passion for what was ahead of me. I thought, oh, my God, if I finally belong somewhere at 19, then like how much better can things get? So Mm. that was really the beginning of it. And, you know, fast forward many years later, I lived in New York for almost a decade. New York still is home to me. um, But I live in L.A. now and L.A. is a different kind of home. And this is where Mm. I have found my family with my partner, Justin, and our dog, Aria. Mm -hmm really building a family to me is really about being safe, being seen and belonging in the the full context of that, that definition and getting to really be yourself, but also having the space and the trust that you can progressively become whoever you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that that's safe, that that's okay, that there's space for that. And so The past, Justin and I have been together for four and a half years. We got engaged in July. And it's just so cool to have this experience of being like, oh, my God, like this is what they mean about making your own family, creating your own family, you know, Mm -hmm. and how we treat each other. It's a new standard of what a relationship looks like. It wasn't what we were modeled. The way that we Mm -hmm. keep our household is a new standard, not what we were taught. We get to set those rules. We get to create that meaning. And I think that all of this comes from deep introspection and honest and open, authentic communication with your family, with your friends, both the ones that you're close with and those that you are not. Mm -hmm. So some of my 
experience of home now is actually based off of having really clear boundaries with anyone who violates that experience, whether they're family or not. And so it includes all of that. And I'm very grateful for the long journey to get here because I definitely savor it. And I understand what it's like to not have it like so many. Yeah. That's so powerful and empowering. And even from a, you know, I've been talking a lot about spiritual partnership and I've had a couple of couples on the podcast talking about that specifically, but also, you know, honoring that it's not just about quote unquote romantic relationships, that it's about all of your relationships, you know, and how you so beautifully, you know, just articulated that those standards go for everyone, you know, those, yes. that those expectations are for everyone in our lives, not just our romantic partner. So yes. Yeah. And co-creating that. You can see Aria back there. Look at her. Yes. Aria. <laughs> Aria. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, something I want to add to that part that you just said is it's so funny. Just the other day I was thinking about how anyone who came from a really great family who has very loving and supportive parents, um, they have a huge advantage in life huge. And we can see that in our culture. And one of the disadvantages to having that is that often it can be harder to strike out and do your own thing and take bigger risks because you don't have to. So if there's anybody Mm -hmm. that's listening, that's like, Oh yeah. Like I, you know, I know what it's like to be at home and I've, thank God I have a great family. Yes. Be so grateful. Like I just said, be grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And the other side of that coin is please just take note of how sometimes our family can actually be our biggest hindrance to the life that we're meant to live, not because they're trying to be, and not because they're bad or did something that was traumatic or mean, but because sometimes there's so much limitation and great comfort and we're not aware of it because we don't have to be aware of it. If you grew up in a traumatic household like myself, and again, so many, you don't have, like I didn't have a choice to come back home. So once I moved to New York at 19, there was no option of not making it Yeah, because I was not going to be able to go back home. And so I think, you know, a lot of us in this generation who are the millennials, a lot of us are living with family because we can. And I think that's so beautiful. And I also just want to caution you that even if you have the comfort and the ability to stay at home, do not let that be a limitation because sometimes the discomfort, the being pushed to your edge is what makes you rise to the challenge of your life, makes you rise to the purpose of mm-hmm. your being here. And so for me, I'm very grateful now. It was not easy when I was in my 20s living in New York and actually in the poverty line, like below the poverty line, like mm-hmm. truly poor. But now looking back, having passed those tests, I'm like, man. I wouldn't be able to be here if I would have been able to go back home and live with mom and dad. So it it definitely goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, And that's been a lot of my journey as well. You know, I did come from, you know, a family, my parents listen to every episode. So I know they're going to be like, Oh, let me see what she has to say about this. (laughs) We love that. We love you guys. Thank you. You guys did really good with Shelby, by the way. Yeah, I express so much gratitude to them all the time. Um, 
because yeah, I, I did come from, you know, a really supportive family and I've also experienced, you know, the, the level of comfort that, um, that can keep you somewhat complacent or not as ready to take risks, you know? And I think that it's been definitely a balance, you know? Um, but one beautiful thing that I got to experience, um, once my parents retired was them kind of reflecting back on their own lives and being the cautionary ear, you know, to my sister and I, like, don't work too hard or don't, you know, don't, basically don't, you know, don't invest your energy in the things that we did in the way that we did, because there's something greater. Um, And it's like, it's like I knew that, but hearing it from people who have lived, you know, they're both 70 now. So people who've lived this life and are, you know, in this beautiful state of reflection, you know, and I know that they're both really proud of, the lives that they created and, you know, my sister and I, but yeah, it's been beautiful to, to get that just confirmation from them as well. So yeah. 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 So I know that a big part of your, at least from my experience, this has been something that I have found to be really valuable and how you share and express talking about edges So I think something that has truly been supportive for me in particularly my energy healing and breathwork practice on myself has been being able to hold so much more Um, discomfort, truth, fear, just stickiness, you know, and being able to move through those things and And as I moved through those things, finding the new (laughs) initiation shortly after, like the next layer of the thing to move through, when did you identify that that was an important, consistent message to bring to your work and to just the collective, the desire to continuously nudge people forward? to experience their edge and move through their edge rather than, you know, not. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh man. Well, let me tell you, I've gotten a lot of pushback for that in my personal life. Um, It's definitely one of the reasons why I had to start a business (laughs) Mm. so that people who actually wanted to do that would come to me instead of the other Mm -hmm. way around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, just this morning I was in a shoot and the photographer said, he goes, you know, a lot of people don't actually want to change and grow. And I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't know what I do for a living. So I was like, Mm. Oh, I know, you know, a lot of people don't. Um, and, uh, it's unfortunate because that's the nature of life. And so what I found, I think also because of the fact that I did move so much as a child Mm -hmm. and was constantly having to recreate myself or, decide who I was going to be when I showed up in a new town or a new culture, a new state and part of the country. Mm-hmm. And that I even had that op- like option that I even thought that that was a thing. I think a lot of it is because I understood that everything is going to change. Everything wow. is going to change. Yeah. And so whether you want it or not, your life is going to change and might as well be in the direction that you choose 
or at least the trajectory in which you have an intention. And that is only going to happen when we are awake in our lives. And so when we fall asleep and we go into denial about where we are, what we're doing, how we're showing up and, and how others are showing up in our lives and, and all of that, then we can't actually change in a way that's for our benefit and to serve our good and purpose for being here. So for me, you know, I just saw so many people. I think our culture has a lot of denial built into it, really wanting to be in denial about what is and what is not. I think it's one of the ways that we have survived such a crazy, crushing society that we live in. But we are not here to survive. We're here to thrive. And so if you want to thrive, you have to wake up to your life. And some of that is going to be painful. And the real tragedy is that people are afraid of that pain, afraid of that confrontation, afraid of what they might see if they look into the darkness or that they may not see anything at all, but they might feel something they don't want to feel. The tragedy around that is, is that you're going to have that anyways. And, you know, I had a lot of family members that died. I had one of my best friends who is also my cousin died when I was 25. Mm. She had a 10 year cancer battle. I was with her through much of that, uh, at least the last five years. And, you know, at 25, having that experience and having experienced a lot of loss in general, I really realized, like, you know what, like, it, it doesn't pay to play in the comfortable. It, what, what's going to work long term is to just go for it as much as you can. It doesn't mean you don't rest. It doesn't mean I'm in the hustle mode. It doesn't mean that. It means really being present to your own life. And so sometimes... When we are really present, it pushes us to our edges because what we see is patterns that have been repeated for generations that only we can decide if we are going to continue or not. And that's the edge that so many people have the hardest time with because it goes back to that part of the conversation about our family. A lot of the things that keep us back, it's not our family who is disapproving or over-approving of us. No, it's us not wanting to cut some of those connections with our family that actually does not serve us or them, but that binds you to the identity of them. And so a lot of what I really believe is necessary in my life and in my clients' experiences and in the world is us really looking at ourselves, being awake to ourselves, and then seeing how we are playing out in a larger pattern, a larger story, and really looking at it with clear eyes, loving awareness too. We're not hating, we're not being mean, we're not judgment. I know that can come up, but then we are even loving with that part of ourselves as we move through it. And then getting to our edge is being like, hmm, is this something I want to continue? I feel the fullness of this experience. I feel the fullness of this generational pattern. I feel the fullness of this inner child trauma that keeps continuing in my relationships now that I'm fully awake to it and I am feeling it I'm looking at it could I give myself the permission to say I choose differently and it's that part it's that part of being the hero in your own story that is what makes all of this worth it and to me in my experience having come from the complete opposite of what I live right now that's what life is about creating a life that is worthy of you 
and nobody's going to do that for you. And the only way that we can do that is if we are awake to our lives and we face it to the best of our ability, to the degree in which we can, and just keep going in that, in that trajectory. And to me, that that's what my work is really about. Yeah. That is so powerful. I'm just taking it in. <laughs> I'm just taking it in. <laughs> And, you know, one of the things that I really realized too, Shelby, is that this is, this is a direct response to growing up in a household that is exactly the opposite. Mm. So much of abusive households, so much of adults who had traumatic childhoods grew up in households where everyone was asleep to what was actually happening, mm. where, or at least the adults who were in charge were in denial of what was actually harmful or what was actually hindering growth. And so not everybody has this experience as, ch- as a child, but many people all over the planet in the United States do. And I find that we have a lot of people in places of power who grew up in households like that, who continue to carry on that kind of anarchy uh, in, our, in our culture mm-hmm. and in our government and things like that. And so I think it's really important to just to note that a lot of my struggle in my personal life has come from really wanting to wake people up because I would have been a lot happier, healthier, and safer as a child if I had a household of adults who did that. What I learned as I gained wisdom and life experience is that you can't wake up anybody who wants to stay asleep. So what you do, if you're interested in changing, if you're interested in evolution, if you're interested in expansion, is you wake yourself up and you just keep going and you see who comes with you or you see who meets you where you are going. And so I think that one underscoring theme is like, you got to be the one to wake up for yourself and whoever doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be with you on that, you don't need to uh, slow yourself down to try to get them to catch up with you. And you never know how one could wake up and change the game on you. So it's really about this individual journey. It's not about anyone else. And if you ask me, that's how we change the world. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, being able to watch some people in my life even evolve. And I think one thing that I've noticed is in that evolution, in my own evolution, I found, you know, even judgment come up at times and being reminded to give other people the opportunity to evolve as well. It's almost like recognizing that you're evolving, but being almost being afraid to consider that someone else is evolving as well because you, the way in which you engage with them is dependent upon them staying the same. Otherwise you don't know, you know, what to expect. It's like that comfort yeah. zone. And I feel like sometimes it's people in your own life who are engaging with you in that way. They see you evolving, but they want to keep you in that yeah. place that they know and, you know, where they know what to expect. Um, And so, yeah, there's something there about making room for everyone's evolution as we tune into our own, too. Yes. So, yes, I so appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And and speaking of evolution, in this moment in your life, 
What do you find that you are learning most right now on your journey? Like what's kind of, I guess you're, you're one of your edges in, at this stage, you know? Well, that's a great question. Hmm. Well, I think it's, uh, I'm in a phase in my life where for the first time for a few years, I've had many years, I would say five years of really steady growth and just health in all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. Five-year run is like pretty major for someone like me because I really did struggle for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's weird saying that now because I don't, I don't feel that about myself, but that's just mm-hmm. like a fact, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and and that's okay. But I think w- with all that being said, I'm in this really beautiful void of not really knowing all the things that are coming next Mm -hmm. because I don't really know what it looks like to get more expansive from this place and I think some of that um, is not just work but even just you know being in a a loving relationship and getting married for the first time and hopefully the only time Mm -hmm. um, and and buying a house together and really like building a life with my significant other, my life partner, that along with my life's work, having really taken hold over the past five years in particular, I've been doing this for a long time, but the past five years, it's really started to root and, and to see it go in different ways I didn't expect has been interesting too. So I'm kind of in this really interesting place where there are some things that I know, like I know that I'm marrying my partner, but I don't necessarily know all the ways in which my life will look in five years. I'm not actually sure. Mm -hmm. There's some of the bigger details that are there, but there's a lot that's still filling in because I'm more open than I used to be. Um, I used to have very clear, particular things that I wanted to be. When I was in New York, I want to be a model. I want to book this. I want to do that. I want to work at a magazine. And I I did all of those things. Mm -hmm. And now my life is actually more about just living right now, being right now, mm-hmm. not needing any of those things to validate my happiness, my success, like really, 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 truly. And so that that's actually even the photo shoot I had today. I, I took these photos that might be used for future projects. And I literally am just like, not going through the motions, but just doing the thing that I feel called to do mm-hmm. without any expectations. I, I really genuinely don't even know how those pictures are going to really do the thing that might be uh, with those projects. I'm just kind of open to what could be because right now is what's most important to me. And I don't think I had that experience before when my life was more chaotic, unstable, uh, you know, a struggle. So it's this really beautiful push and pull of being really, in the moment while also open to expansion, open to going to places that I don't know where it will take me. Mm. Yes. Uh, that's such a beautiful place to be. Um, Cause all I heard as you were talking is just, you know, infinite possibility. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, it's such a beautiful place to be. Uh, well, I'm excited to witness you know, all that is to come and yeah, just be 
you know, loving awareness <laughs> for all of it. Yes, thank you. Yes. And so from this place, this is a good time to get into our final question, which is knowing what you know now, which there's been, you know, so much evolution, I'm sure. What advice, if any, you know, would you give your younger self, whether it's the four-year-old self who's, you know, astral projecting with your grandmother or the self at school, you know, hypnotizing your friends or the 19 year old in New York, you know, mm-hmm. discovering this first sense of home. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give? That's a great question. Yeah. I, this, I think my answer to this question is different for the first time because I, I have a lot of advice for my younger self, but this, the one that feels most fresh from 2022 is uh, to really get clear on codependency and how that relates to the trauma of my relationship with my mom. Mm. I've had so many female friendships over many years that were directly a mirror of my relationship with my mom. And I had no idea because Mm. I thought only daddy issues was a thing. (laughs) Mm. So I was super aware of daddy issues because that's a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't talk about mommy issues. That's true. You literally don't hear, you hear dad, oh, she's got daddy issues and you can see it because how she dates, right? But you don't hear, oh, she's got mommy issues and, right? So I really would just tell my younger self, hey, babe, there's a lot to work out with what happened between you and your mom. And I need you to, to notice how you attract women who treat you the same way mm. that you were treated as a child by your mother. And... And the way that that I have acted over the years um, from a very wounded victim, childlike state is directly related to years of unprocessed PTSD Mm -hmm. and trauma. And so I have a lot of compassion for myself now and for the people, specifically the women and and like girls that I was friends with as as I was growing up. But I, I wish more people understood how impactful our relationships can be with our mothers and, mm-hmm. and how this often is the image in which our female friendships are made from. And had I had more professional help and awareness around that, I think it would have saved me from a lot of heartbreak with my female friendships mm-hmm. up until this point in my life. And I, I feel like honestly in 2022, I finally got to a place where I finally got the freaking message I mean, mm. man, it took me, took me a long time. And I think, I think this year I finally got it, Shelby. Mm. So, you know, it's really interesting because it didn't cross over into my business. It didn't cross, well, it crossed over to my business where, where business crossed over into friends, mm. but mm. anywhere where the female friendship relationship would cross over into anything else, there was inflamed trauma and codependency around that, that I was not able to see because it was not connected to them. It was connected to an earlier wound. So that's Mm -hmm. why for me, inner child work has been such a big theme in the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a revolutionary experience with that in ways that I hadn't even years before when I knew about the inner child. And I think this is something that a lot of women and men um, would be very wise to look at very deeply, no matter what they think their story is with their mothers. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely something that you don't hear often, you know, 
people talk about and it's so so true so true yes and thank you for sharing that happy to yeah that's really powerful yeah ah this has been so great milana seriously <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much yeah this has been so powerful and I want to make sure that people know how to reach you and also if there's anything you want people to know about, you know, that mm. is upcoming. I know we're kind of in a, you know, slow down period of the year, but anything you want to share? Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to this whole episode. I appreciate you sticking around and listening and really vibing with me and, um, please check out my website, monosnow.com. That's where I'll have all of my updates. It's probably really helpful to put your email on the pop-up or at the bottom of the homepage so that you can get updates. I have a few uh, retreats and trainings coming up next year that will kind of take a new form in ways that I haven't in the past two years. I know that Shelby's been talking about our work together and um, that's mm-hmm. going to really come out in some really beautiful universal ways next year. Um, I'm also doing a lot of work around the inner child. If that's something that you feel like you could use some support on, I have a workshop coming up that will be recorded. So in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to book into that to just really do some deeper healing on the inner child. Like I just spoke about and in general, just keep up with me on Instagram. I really feel like Instagram is about my community. I don't see anyone as my follower. I see them as my community members and, someone that I am growing with and sharing with really as real as I can. And so I hope that uh, I'll see you there. Yes. Yes. And everything, you know, all of the channels, they all hold such potent medicine, you know? So yeah, I highly recommend that everyone at the very least subscribe to the email list, the monthly Energy readings are always so powerful. The TMI community has been like, oh my gosh, yes, join yeah. my membership. Oh yeah. my gosh, what am I thinking? <laughs> Graciela would have had something to say to me about that. Yes. Uh, yes. The monthly membership, which is called um, the monthly integration TMI, which is a cheeky little play on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do deep healing in that monthly group. Uh, where I do lives every third Saturday of the month. And then there's just literally hundreds of videos in there from years of work together and one-on-one. So I definitely recommend if you want to work with me, that is the most direct way to do so as soon as this month. Yeah. Yes. Highly recommend. I still, I know a lot of us in the community do, but I continue to go back to, um, heart meditation for prosperity, which is like, (laughs) oh my gosh, it always just like raises my vibration so high. I love that practice. Yes. So it's so worthwhile. I hope you all do get a chance to subscribe and just follow the journey of Milana Snow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you again for just lending your energy to the podcast. And yes, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yes. So good to be here. Thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to my spiritual friends from Worthy Well. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
You can follow me on Instagram at Shelby Renee Giles. And to check out WorthyWell's latest events and offerings, visit our website at worthywell.co. Until next time, journey well.